Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And today we will be discussing the USMNT International World Cup qualifying window against Mexico and Jamaica, only a two-game window this time, uh, starting with a massive game in Cincinnati at TQL Stadium against Mexico. I mean, this is as big as it gets, isn't it? Uh, the U.S. had a fantastic performance. Uh, pretty, pretty good first half. We'll, we'll, we'll debate it, see what happens. But um, Christian Pulisic was off the bench, scored in the 74th minute off of a, a nice header, got right in front of the defender, buried it, uh, and, then, and then showed his man-in-the-mirror shirt um, mocking Ochoa. And then Weston McKinney in the 85th minute uh, got the second, off of you know really poor defending from Mexico, Weston stuck through and buried it uh, to to win the game, uh, put it away. Dos Acero, and then Miles Robinson with a second yellow in the 89th minute got sent off. Didn't really have much effect on the game though, um, and a and a two no win for the United States. Dos Acero. So Garrett, what were your thoughts on this game? Well, I thought the first half was pretty even. Um, you know, I thought the scores being level at halftime was a pretty reflective uh, scoreline of how the game was going. Although for some reason, Taylor Twelman was making it out like the U S performance was awful and Mexico should be two nil up or something, which I completely disagreed with. Um, I thought it was relatively even both teams had a couple chances, but nothing too clear cut, but uh, the U S came out in the second half and dominated and and Mexico really didn't get much of a sniff. The U S were all over them completely controlling the midfield. I mean, talk about the performance from Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams in the game. You know, they were fantastic. And then, you know, obviously Tim Weah has been in fantastic form. He was able to beat his man on the right side, put in a inch perfect cross for super sub captain America, Christian Pulisic, who made no mistake with the header. Um, so, yeah, the second half was fantastic. I was watching with, with a group of mates, and we were having a great time watching that. And then, yeah, the McKinney goal was um, a little bit fortunate because, like, it was basically a, he tried to pass it and then it deflected right back into his path, and, and he was in on goal, just found himself in. And then, yeah, he also made no mistake putting it in the bottom left corner um, past Ochoa, who you said was mocked by Christian Pulisic's undershirt after he scored, which is elite-level shithousery. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, fantastic performance, especially in that second half. Fantastic results. There's nothing much better than Dos Acero, and there's nothing much better than beating Mexico three times in the same calendar year, including two cup finals and a World Cup qualifying match. So, yeah, was very happy after that game. Absolutely. It doesn't get much better than that. For those who don't know uh, about what we're talking about with Christian Pulisic's shirt, uh, Ochoa, the, the goalkeeper for Mexico, prior to the game in his, in his press conference, said something to the effect of the, the Mexico is what U.S. compares themselves to. They're, they're the mirror that is, is reflecting against them. That's you know what they're trying to accomplish is to be Mexico, be that good. Um, and so Christian scores on them and then uh, pulls a shirt that says a man in the mirror. So th- that's basically what it is. Uh, 
but but yeah, I mean, as you said, I, Timothy Weah was was incredible. He didn't win man of the match. Christian Pulisic did win man of the match, but I think most people would agree that Tim Weah was the actual man of the match. He was the best player on the pitch. And if it wasn't Weah, if it wasn't Weah, I would have given it to Yunus Musa because I thought he was fantastic in the midfield. His just elusiveness on the ball, his quality, he was able to beat men left, right, and center and, you know, get the U.S. into, into promising positions. So, yeah, obviously, I think Tim Weah is deserving of the man of the match, but I'd put Pulisic maybe third or fourth behind Musa, debatably McKinney, although he wasn't fantastic in the first half, but yeah. Right, and it feels sometimes like the U.S. just puts their uh, man of the match voting basically before the game because the three they had in the running were Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, and Tyler Adams, who are you know probably the three most famous top best players that the U.S. has. Uh, but you know, Wea and Musa, as you say, probably were the two best players on the pitch um, for for the United States. But I mean, looking at this lineup, it was a really, really quality lineup that Greg Berhalter put out. Um, I, I was doing some, you know, predicted lineups with my friends as well. We were, we, we figured that we would get pretty much this. The only thing we were hoping for was um, maybe, maybe Scally instead of Yedlin on the right back, but really no complaint. I mean, this is a top uh, lineup. Obviously Christian Pulisic isn't going to start coming back from injury. Obviously there's no Reina. So this is really, I mean, as no good as it gets for the United States. Yes. Right. No desk uh, injured as well. So uh, as, as good of a starting lineup as you're going to really see from the United States. And, and it was, the tactics were there too. I mean, the, the high press from minute one was there. Mexico were struggling to play out. I, I remember, I, I mean, full transparency, I didn't watch this game live because uh, I was going to the UCLA-Villanova game, uh, basketball game, but I, I went back and, you know, rewatched it and to, to see everything that I, I needed to see and, and watch the amazing win. Um, but I, I was watching it on my phone as, as much as I could, and during those first few minutes, that's what I noticed was the press was unbelievable uh, in, in, you know, press, getting getting the ball back after – losing it quickly yeah that's true but the thing is that mexico were able to catch us on the counter a, a couple times especially in the first like 15 20 minutes zach Steffen did come up with a, a couple big saves actually um early in the game there were times where chuki had a breakaway um there was raul messed up a chance i mean we definitely looked a little bit shaky at the back, um, but that's kind of to be expected. You know, Walker Zimmerman played both of the, the games in this window, but I don't think he's had much game time before that in World Cup qualifiers. So it took him a little bit of time to settle in. Um, we know Miles Robinson's been really good. Obviously, he ended up getting a second yellow very late in the game, which didn't matter for the Mexico game, but I, I tend to think it probably did for the game against Jamaica earlier today, which we will talk about a little bit later. But, right. um, the, you know, Mexico, the first 20, 25 minutes, they were probably the better team. They, no, they definitely were the better team the first 20, 25 minutes. But after that, the U.S. kind of took over. Um, I'd say the second half of, of, the sec- of the first half, it sounded like we were lighting the world on fire, but we definitely got ourselves back into the game, and, and it was much more even. And then the second half, as I said earlier, we took over. Yeah, you know, I, I will say I fully disagree with the fact that Mexico were the better side in the first half. I don't, I didn't see that at all. 
Um, in the first yeah, I, half of the first half is what I'm saying. No, no, no. Right, right, right. No, no. I understand what you're saying. Uh, I think earlier you said Twelman. Oh, yeah. You're disagreeing with what Taylor Twelman said. Yeah, okay. Which is nothing new there. Uh, no. Twelman says a lot of things that are very, very inaccurate. But um, regardless, regardless, yeah. He, uh, but regardless, I, I think that there was a lot of people. It wasn't just him that thought, you know, Mexico were the better side or even that it was a pretty even – uh, game to me it was the United States were playing better they were controlling the game controlling the flow of the game but it was they weren't creating the chances with with that possession with that uh, momentum and it was as you say Mexico on the counterattack creating chances it's not that they had uh, a ton of opportunities but when they did they created very good chances out of those two very very quality chances um and a third pretty good one as well. Uh, as you say, Zach Steffen coming up huge uh, in a couple instances. So there, there is obviously that, you know, Steffen Turner debate and people hate on Steffen because of uh, shot stopping specifically, which he came up, came up very big again. And I, I'm not sure if you said Walker was, was good or he took some time to get in there. But to me, uh, Walker Zimmerman had a fantastic game against Mexico. Uh, I thought he was really good defensively. Second half, he was he was flawless. Flawless, yeah. I I thought he was very good. He stood out to me. Um, I know that the the Paramount Plus people were highlighting his passing in the pregame for Jamaica. I didn't necessarily think that was what stood out. I just thought he was very solid defensively. When when there was a mistake, he was there to recover. Uh, and yeah, I thought he was very good. Um, and obviously, he got the start against Jamaica as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was at the beginning of the game when Mexico had their best chances because they, they really didn't do much after the first, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And it was, you know, the counter was partially coming from the U.S. losing the ball in, in a place that they shouldn't and then Walker Zimmerman getting caught a little bit out of position. But, you know, Zach Steffen came up when he needed to and, and made a couple of good saves. Um, and, then, and then after that, I, as I said, I think Walker kind of settled into the game. You know, it's kind of crazy to, to get thrown into World Cup qualifying in a, in a game against Mexico, a game like this, you know, very high intensity, pretty, you know, relatively frantic game um, and, and an extremely loud stadium, you know, TQL, brand new, beautiful stadium out there in Cincy. Um, but, you know, it took them a little bit of time, but especially in that second half, I thought the U.S.'s press was brilliant. Um, Mexico were not, you know, really getting anything um, in, in our half. Um, and if they were, it was, you know, feeding off scraps on the counter. But in the, in the second half, I thought the U.S. were completely good value for the two goals that they got. I think 2-0 win was a deserved scoreline. So... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It could have been more, really. I mean, the second half is we debate, you know, oh, who's better in the first half? Was it Mexico? Was it the United States? How dominant it was? But in the second half, there's no debating. It was no. the U.S. dominant throughout. Our, our finishing could have been better. Like, you look at this, we had, we had 18 shots, only five on target, right? That's not fantastic. We should be getting more than five out of 18 shots on target. But granted, you know, we're missing, you know, Pulisic only played 15 minutes and there's no Gio Reyna. Um, but, you know, the, in terms of the chances created and um, we talked about it, about the Manchester Derby kind of territorial dominance. I thought the U.S., you know, we had, when we had the ball, it was in Mexico's half. And when Mexico had the ball, it was in their own half. They didn't really trouble our back line. 
they weren't creating anything in the final third. They were, they were barely even getting the final third. So um, I don't know what Greg said to them at halftime, but, but it worked. Yeah. I mean, he got, he got a lot spot on in this game. You have to, you have to say as much as uh, he's criticized and I may criticize him uh, for the Jamaica game, but he, he, may? Got it. <laughs> he, he, uh, yeah, he, certainly, certainly. But I mean, we, we also have to say one, one person that didn't really have the best game was Ricardo Pepe, uh, the nine. It, it, I'd say neither know. game, really. Neither game. Well, yes, I think that the Mexico game, I, I don't really know why he, he wasn't as effective. Jamaica, I might have a better idea because of the way that we played was a little bit different. But his interplay uh, should have been better. He, he was missing a lot of touches. His, his passes weren't crisp. Um, yeah, so... I mean, of course, to me, it's it's inexcusable. I mean, it's excusable uh, because of the way that he's you know hit the ground running and what he's already done for uh, yeah. the national team at such a young age. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't have the best game. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't the best game against Jamaica either. And yeah, plus we talk about Reyna uh, and how he's not available. The question is, when he comes back, who do you put him in for? I don't think you can drop Tim Weah in his form right now for Giorena. It's it's very difficult call that. Uh, so there's there's another question that Greg Berhalter is probably going to have to deal with uh, upcoming. I mean, I think um, I'd have to say Brendan Aronson, who you know I, I feel like has been good overall during the World Cup qualifying thus far. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say he had, he had a huge impact the last two games. And as much as I like Brennan Aronson, you know, Tim Weah is in arguably the form of his life, or at least the best form that he's been in for the USMNT. And, and Brennan Aronson is still a fantastic option to have off the bench. But I think that's, I don't know. Well, well the, the thing is, is I, when I say that, I was kind of assuming that Brennan Aronson would be dropped for Pulisic. Uh, so. uh, yeah, that's a good point. So then is Reyna versus Weah? I mean, it's a selection headache, but it's not a bad problem to have, is it? Certainly not. Certainly not. Could, I mean, you could potentially play Waya through the middle because he has played there in his career. I was just about to say the same thing. It, it's a potential, definitely. I mean, he's looked obviously very, very dangerous on the wing. Um, so it, it's it's just a selection headache, as you say, which is what we want. We want more of these selection headaches as U.S. fans. Uh, that that's what the big teams do. That's what the big managers have to do uh, every. Every week, really. I mean, uh, whenever the international break is, whenever they play, uh, selection headaches are going to happen. And so we can hope that Greg Berhalter will make the right decision. Um, whether you have confidence in him or not to do that is a different question. And, and on the other side, I mean, Tata Martino. Yeah, I, that's literally he, exactly what I was going to bring up. Yeah, I mean, he has to be seriously under the hot seat. I mean, really poor performance. Uh, he has not really been able to find, you know, the form that he needs to with Mexico. There's a lot of pressure in that job, obviously. Yeah, and I, I don't think I actually. It's not thinking. I am 100 percent sure that losing to the U.S. three times in the same year, all in three very big, uh, big games, right? Not inconsequential. Um, you know, the Nations League final and then the Gold Cup final, and now in World Cup qualifying. Like I'm, I'm honestly quite surprised that he's still in the job um you know mexico were not good in that second half 
Um, they don't have the excuse of not having Raul anymore. He's back. And although, you know, he's not at his best as he was before the injury, it's, you know, still been hard for him to pick up form. And he's just now kind of getting back on the score sheet for Wolves, but still, you know, not at the same regularity. Even then, you know, he has a very strong lineup in this game. Um, I don't really think there's any excuses for Tata at this point. You know, I think Tecatito is a very good player. He has Hector Herrera, who, you know, obviously plays in, in uh, La Liga. And, and Chucky was, you know, relatively dangerous. I'd say he was probably their most dangerous player. He's definitely the one that I'm the most scared of when I look at, at that starting 11 or when I did before the match. So I, I honestly think that Tata could be gone very, very soon. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not good enough from 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 a Mexico perspective whatsoever. You know, as much as we love the fact that we've dominated them this year, you know, history shows that that's not something that usually occurs all the time. You know, like it's not, especially not this level of dominance. And obviously, that could be you know, or hopefully, is just kind of the the turning of the tides. But the fact of the matter is that Mexico aren't going to stand for that, and Mexican fans are very much rallying for Tata to be sacked. And I think rightly so. If I were them, I would be saying the exact same thing. Yeah. And I will say uh, there's, there's obviously the argument of competitive matches and whatnot, but since 2000, the U S against Mexico are 17, six and nine. So this, this historical dominance thing may be true, but not in the past couple decades, it really isn't. So it's it's a little bit different now with the U.S. dominating Mexico in three straight matches uh, in a calendar year, all competitive matches, all very very important matches. Um, obviously, that that's a whole different realm of of domination for for the kings of Concacaf. Uh, but it's it's this this debate of oh well, Mexico have a historical dominance against the U.S. They do, or they do play better generally in, in big games uh, it, historically. But if you look at just overall record, the U.S. takes it in the past 20 years. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, the last World Cup, we were sitting at home watching, and they were beating Germany. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. It just it depends on how you look at it. Uh, there, there are many ways to look at it, and, but, but there aren't many ways to look at the past year. Uh, no, and, but it's like, it's like, you know, yeah, I think I, uh, I think us losing to Mexico three times in the same year is unacceptable. And I'd say it's just a little bit more unacceptable for them, if that makes sense. Right. I think, especially with the nature of Mexican fans and what they expect from their team, you know, obviously I think if the U S lost to Mexico three times in a year, whoever's the manager is getting sacked. But the fact that, that happened and Tata still hasn't been sacked is about uh, pretty ridiculous. Cause you know, I think the U S you know, whoever that would be in the job would be gone. Yeah. Well, I do say, I do think I, I get your point there. Um, I will say I, it's not like the U S aren't, aren't a better team. Now the, the talent on the U S is better than the talent. On no, I agree. Mexico. I agree. So, but, but the expectations, I think I, I still think Mexico has higher expectations because of, you know, historically, even though right. the, the players on the, on the pitch might not back that up anymore. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that you're, you're absolutely right in your point, but we also have to be realistic about it and say, you know, it's, it's not it, but it, it, it is that Tata is meant to be the guy to overcome the difference because I don't think anybody out there is saying that Berhalter is the best coach uh, 
the no. national coach out there. So, I mean, it's it's that Tata's not good enough to overcome that difference uh, tactically and, and, you know, find a way for Mexico to win. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I think that the issue in sacking Tata is the same issue that U.S. fans look at is, okay, well, who do we bring in? Because the World Cup is quickly approaching, and you don't want to just throw a manager in there right before a World Cup. You need them to, you know, have history with this team and know the team very well and the team to know them as well. So that that is the problem that I'm sure Mexico and, and the Mexican Federation is wrestling with right now is, no, Tata's probably not the best guy, but is it going to be better to throw in somebody else? And I think the question is, who is that somebody else, right? Well, Justin, as we speak, it has just gone full-time. Canada have beaten Mexico two goals to one, thanks to a Kyle Laren brace. Hector Herrera managed to pull one back from Mexico in the 90th minute, and then they just had a chance cleared off the line. Um, so, you know, they somehow – what I'm seeing on Twitter right now is, is they somehow uh, – I, I don't know how they didn't tie it up, but they didn't. Canada are now top of the octagonal, Justin, which is a big deal. Not something that we expected. Um, Canada have been playing really well. They're, they're now on 16 points. The U.S. behind on 15 uh, due to the drop points uh, in Jamaica today. And then Mexico down uh, in third place with 14 points. So, you know, the top four separated by two points, right? Because Panama um, are now level on points with Mexico uh, on 14. So it's going to be kind of a, a bumper finish just in terms of who's going, you know, one through three or one through four, even, you know, you could, you could still say Panama and with a shout, do I think that they're going to finish first or second? No, I think they'll probably end up in fourth right where they are, but you know, Canada are making some waves, man. They really are. Absolutely. You got to congratulate the two big teams uh, in CONCACAF for beating Mexico in the break. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I like that. Yeah, I mean, Canada continue to do it, man. Uh, but this also, is, just, you know, I was going to say, just even more evidence for, you know, if Tata isn't sacked, so it's now, you know, the end of the window now. Um, if Tata isn't sacked by uh, the end of January, whenever the next window is, honestly, I will be quite surprised. Uh, and I, I do want to dispel this idea of Canada had this advantage in the snow. Uh, Canada, just like Mexico, their players do not play in places with snow. They, they don't play in Canada. They play abroad a lot in the United States, some some in Europe as well. It's and Germany not has a little bit of snow, but yeah, and Germany has fact, a little bit Fonzie's of snow. the best player on that pitch by a country Ooh. mile. Right. So then England has a little bit of snow too for Jimenez, but yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, there there is no. I just wanted to spell that because there's a lot of there's been a lot of talk about oh Mexico are about to get Concacaft because of the snow no 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 that's illogical uh the the best argument that can be made would be okay well the Canada players played in it as children okay go ahead and make that argument but uh a 2-1 win after you just got it smacked 2-0 by the United States hold that yeah I mean they looking at the stats they got CONCACAF a little bit but I think it's more that the defending on both of those Kyle Aaron goals was awful. So it was Mexico's fault, even though, you know, Canada were clinical. They had, you know, less shots, less shots on target, 41% possession. But uh, Mexico made really elementary mistakes at the back and uh, Canada punished them for it. But Can with, Canada didn't even start Jonathan David, man. Like, what are they yeah, doing? No, no, that is a very good point as well. I mean, I think they just knew that uh, Tata's Mexico is, is banterous, so... 
Very, very much so. Talking uh, about banterous, Justin. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the U.S.'s performance against Jamaica now because that it. was quite banterous, wasn't it? It's exactly where I was going. Uh, yeah. I mean, we put out essentially. I mean, I said it against Mexico. This is as good as a lineup as you're gonna get. I mean, obviously, Other than Miles Robinson being suspended, right? I mean, Chris well, Weston Weston being suspended as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, of course. I mean, suspensions. There's nothing you could do about that. Chris Richards is not a bad replacement at all. Gianluca Vucio is definitely a level below Weston McKinney right now, but the creativity that he brings is a different, uh, a different animal than than what Weston uh, brings in his you know box to box type of energy that 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 Weston you know has in his second man run, third man run, things like that. He. Um, it's just a different type of player and, and Busio is, is definitely more creative, even though, you know, definitely not as good of a player, but I mean, again, a, a quality lineup. I mean, what a goal from Timothy Weah to, to start us off in the, what is it? 11th minute, very early. U uh, S do not score many first half goals, much less that early in the game. Uh, I was really refreshing. It felt like, okay, it's time to go now. It's time to, you know, so put the pedal to the metal, score some goals, show that we are the best team in CONCACAF and, and we can do it wherever we can do it in Jamaica. We can do it in anywhere, but uh, it, it didn't happen that way because in the 22nd minute, Mikhail Antonio had a goal of goals, a wonder strike from about 30 plus yards, 34 into, yards to be exact. Thank you. 34 yards banged it into the top right corner uh, past Zach Steffen. A f- he could, had nothing to do. Uh, it was just a wonder strike, one that you just sit there and have to applaud because of, you know, the skill that Mikel Antonio brought. And then, you know, it, it was fighting back and forth. The United States tried to get uh, some chances. They had nine shots, only two on target. Uh, Jamaica also had two on target, but it was, it was, uh, and then, and then in the 85th minute, uh, Jamaica had a final chance to bury it. They scored off of a, a set piece, and it was ruled out for a foul against Walker Zimmerman, which was, to say the least, questionable. Garrett, what were your thoughts on that? It's not a foul. I, I just don't, I don't see a foul there. I, you know, it, it's Walker Zimmerman got beat. He got beat to the header. He was, you know, too far inside. It's it's a goal for me. I, I just I think that it's a huge let off for the US. Going back to quickly Mikhail Antonio's wonder goal, you know, there were some people and, and obviously Justin's is gonna piss you off because it's your favorite player, but there were people who were questioning Zach Steffen on that goal. And my thoughts are okay, Mikhail Antonio could not have hit that ball much better, right? It's a screamer, it's in the top, it's in the roof of the net. It, is it all the way in the top corner, no. So then automatically you're like, okay, well, 34 yards out, maybe Keeper could have gotten to it. And my thoughts are, um, could Zach Steffen have saved that? Maybe. But the people who were saying he should have saved it, those are two very different things. I'm not going to pretend like that was an unsavable shot. You know, I think potentially someone could have saved it. But thinking that he should save it or it's a save that he should make is ridiculous because it's an absolute missile. But, yeah, uh, I mean, the question would be, does Matt Turner save that? My answer is no. Um, I think Manuel Neuer saves it, but Matt Turner is not Manuel Neuer, and people need to stop pretending like he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think, I don't think people quite believe 
that. Uh, but yeah, I, I understand. I mean, I, I tweeted out that the U.S. fans seem to have this complex where they believe that any time a goal is scored, it's the keeper's fault. I, I don't really understand it, but I, I get it from 34 yards out. I get why people say it. Personally, I don't think Stefan saves that. I don't think Matt Turner saves that. I don't think most goalies in the world save that. Uh, I think it's it's if if somebody picks that out, it's looked at as a fantastic wonder save. So, which which Zach made a couple of against Mexico. So it isn't to say he couldn't make the save, and, and, and just, he made one in, in this in this uh, second half against Jamaica as well on uh, Bobby Reed. That's true. Right, that is which true. was by the way, that was the defending on that was absolutely criminal. Yedlin had a horrible miscommunication with I, I forgot it was one of the midfielders. Uh, might have been Musa. I'm not sure. But Yellen just kind of watched the ball, just looked at it and let Jamaica win it back. And then a cross comes back in. And then Anthony Robinson just kicks it straight at, at Bobby Reed, who's, you know, like, oh, I'll take that four yards out from goal and, you know, blast it. And, and somehow Zach Stephen gets a, a touch on it and it goes over for a corner. But like both Yedlin and Robinson just lost all of their footballing ability in about that five second span. Um, and I was tweeting in all caps about it. Like, what are these guys doing? Uh, it was, I mean, that was a huge, so that's two huge let offs, right? That was a goal that we should have gifted them. Um, and then it was a, a goal, which was incorrectly disallowed in my opinion, because I don't think it's a foul. I think Walker Zimmerman got beat and it was a well-placed header. Zach seven had no chance. And it's as simple as that. And the U S got away with it. Honestly, like I, I would be upset with a point if, we deserve to win, but we deserve to lose. So I'll take it. Well, I will contend differently with that. I don't think we deserve to lose. Yes, I agree with what you're saying in that it, we, sh- we should have, uh, that goal probably should have counted. I mean, that's th- I mean it's 3-1. That's, that's, that's two goals that should have been that weren't. Uh, I'll say at least one should have been. And I'll say, I just think the United States were dominant. I mean, 62% possession. There, a lot of more chances were should have but been the, created. But the same amount of shots on target? like Right. Well, that's, that's why. We'll, possession and well, did what with it? Well, that's why I'll say this. That, that's why we, were gonna, we said earlier, we will criticize Greg Berhalter for this game. And I will criticize Greg Berhalter because it's not, it, 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 it was the tactics that failed in this game. There, I don't know why we abandoned the press if Mexico can't handle that press, Jamaica can't handle that press. I don't know why we abandoned playing through the lines and we decided to go down the wings and play crosses in to Ricardo Pepe, who we know doesn't win headers. Yedlin's crosses were flying 60 yards in the air. I mean, these are horrible crosses. Another reason I wish Scali probably would have gotten this game as well, because his crosses would have been better. But regardless, that's not the way that we should be playing. These are not the tactics that we should be employing. Uh, you saw it on the first goal. I mean, Timothy Weah, who we said should have gotten the man of the match against Mexico, actually got the man of the match against Jamaica. Uh, I mean, it was essentially a solo goal with a little link up between uh, with Ricardo Pepe, who ended the up getting assists. Immaculate. It was an immaculate. Was- on, on his weak foot, in off the post. It was a beautiful goal. It wasn't just that he had already beaten a couple players to, yeah. to, to do it. And then he won two with Pepe. It was a beautiful creation, and it was very simple to play through Jamaica. It wasn't that difficult. The thing is, is that that's not the tact. That's not what we d- decided to do for the rest of the game. We were playing down the wings through Wea with Yedlin overlapping, playing crosses in, and then uh, and then uh, about half, 
about halfway through the half, I think, maybe a little bit later, Weah and Aronson switched, which didn't help at all. And then the subs in the second half were all types of confusing. So, I mean, honestly, uh, I don't know. Kellen Acosta on for Musa is questionable to say the least. Musa was, in my opinion, the best player on the pitch, maybe besides Weya. Because I mean, he was fantastic. He was playing with strep throat uh, and still one of the best players on the pitch. So That's I, I mental, guess, by the way. It, it, absolutely strep, mental. Strep throat is horrible. It's so not fun. And the fact that he goes out there and, and dominates a game like that, and then you bring on Christian Pulisic, which nobody's going to argue with that. But no. I don't know why you're bringing him on for Wea. You should have brought him on for Aronson. No, it should have been Aronson, 100%. And, Pep- yeah. and Pepe was not effective, again. as like, But also that, you know, it's part of the tactics because DeAndre Yedlin can't cross a ball. And so why not, is he – like, it's – Exactly. Not only can DeAndre Yedlin not cross the ball, Ricardo Pepe is not here to win headers. He's here to do what he did, and, and he, got an, he got the assist with Wea. That's what he's here to do. He can – if you play into feet – he can make link up and he can create chances. And if you, you know, play into feet where he's facing goal, then he'll have a shot on a goal and hopefully, you know, bury it. But playing head balls into Pepe is not it. He is six one, which is, you know, it's not short, but it's not tall for, for a striker. And he's, He's young. He needs a. He needs to bulk up. He needs weight on him to be able to push around and win headers. It's going to take him some time. He's not. That's not what he does yet. I mean, I'm not so, going to say. I'm not going to say he can't do it. His first goal for the USMNT was a header, was it not? It's just that he, that he shouldn't. That can. shouldn't be. That shouldn't be the number one route. Obviously, exactly. Not. That should not be the main strategy going forward. And that's Certainly well said not. because because I don't mean. And thank you for saying that because I don't mean to say that he, you know, can't do it. He absolutely can. It's just that that is. That is the main tactic that was employed against Jamaica is down the wings crosses. And that's not how we should be playing with Pepe. Uh, and then, you know, we bring Paul Asiola on for, for Aronson, which Aronson should have been off. We could have, we would have never had to bring on Ariola. Ariola had, and then, you know, right after that, uh, that, that, that disallowed goal for the Walker foul, Stefan immediately grabs the ball and boots it all the way to Ariola, who is alone on the Mexican, or sorry, the Jamaican side of the pitch. And what does he do? He just lets the ball bounce and lets the Jamaican defenders track back. He, he's so bad that, it, it, oh man, it's just so frustrating because if Aronson was on the pitch, if Way was on the pitch, both of them take a touchdown and run away and probably score the winner. But since it's Paul Ariola, that, that's what we get. Yeah, I mean, going back to just about Burhalter, it, it seems like he's suffering from like Kyle Shanahan syndrome, which is you see that something works, and then for some reason you abandon it the next game for no reason whatsoever. Uh, it's very frustrating. That's very interesting because you'll compare him to Kyle Shanahan, and I will compare him to Ole. It's it's they do they do very opposite things. So what Ole does is he will lose a game, get smashed up. And then he'll come back and win a game in, in you know, a late, late winner from Ronaldo or something, or they'll play well and it looks good. And it's like, okay, only saved his job with that game after they just got smashed. Like, like Liverpool, like City, they'll get smashed and then they'll come back and have a good performance. And, and you know, he'll save his job that way. Burhalter does the opposite. Burhalter will play an amazing lineup 
with great tactics like he did against Mexico, show a dominant U.S. side that that can you know really look like a quality quality side, and then he'll come back against Jamaica and flip it and employ these terrible tactics that we've been discussing and just make us ineffective. It doesn't make any sense to me. So here's my question to you then, Justin, before we wrap up is, is I, I know that you are not a strong supporter of Greg Berhalter. So say the decision's up to you. Are you sacking him now? Are you sacking him at the end of qualifying and before the World Cup? Are you leaving him for the World Cup? And then who would you even think of bringing in? It's, you know, I know that you're a big fan of Jesse Marsh because, you know, obviously American manager managing RB Leipzig who have been a very successful club as of late. Um, not like he's doing horribly with them. Not great. They're, they're in fifth place in the Bundesliga currently and they've been struggling in, in the Champions League. But... Um, what would you do were this decision up to you? Because I, I honestly don't know. So I, I feel like you would probably have a, a, a stronger opinion on that than me. So I, I'm curious to know this. Yeah, it's a really, really tough thing because I don't want him in a World Cup, but it's what I was saying about Tata earlier. It's if you bring in a new manager right now, we're already halfway through World Cup qualifying. Over halfway in- now. Right. If you if you bring in another manager right now, that does not give them much time before a World Cup uh, to prepare the United States. At the same time, I don't think that uh, I think Greg Berhalter can get us to the World Cup. It's looking that way, uh, but I don't think that he can, he's the guy in the World Cup to help us. So the answer is probably that I would sack him after the World Cup because uh, I don't. I, you say Marsh. I absolutely love Marsh. As you say, I am a big fan, but I am one to say I don't want him in the U.S. men's national team anytime soon. I want him to build his club career. I want him to succeed at Leipzig, even potentially move to a bigger club and succeed there, and then bring him as a top coach in the world to the U.S. because we know he has ambitions to come to the U.S. at some point, but I, I want him to prove himself first. Uh, not that he has, I mean, he's fantastic at Salzburg, obviously. And yes, he has been struggling, uh, but he, he seems to be steadying the ship now at Leipzig. So that's, that's my issue. I don't know who we would bring in. I certainly don't want Bob Bradley in as an LAFC fan. Oh, I, no. I certainly, I mean, I, I will tell you that that is what would be the uh, backup plan as far as I've been told. The backup plan right now would be Bob Bradley. I don't know if that's still the case with the rumors of him going to Toronto. But I mean, it doesn't matter because Berhalter's not getting sacked. He's not. I agree. There's I agree. no chance. We didn't and sack so, Bruce Arena before that disaster happened, and we were, you know, looking very like like there. We knew there was a chance that we wouldn't qualify. Where right now, you know, the the top four, which you know, fourth place out of this out of the four, you know, at least goes into the playoff. Right, is already separated by five points from fifth place Costa Rica. So like, I I find it very very unlikely that the U.S. don't qualify for the World Cup at this point. Um, and then obviously we know about you know, three straight wins over Mexico and the win in the Nations League final and the Gold Cup final. And those are all things that are going to keep Berhalter in the job, I'd say, at least uh, until the World Cup, until after the World Cup. So as much as it's a fun hypothetical and I wanted to know your answer, I I think we know the answer is that Berhalter is not going anytime soon. Well, not only do we know that, we know that Berhalter is in contract talks through through 2024. U.S. wants to give him an extension. 
past the World Cup already. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah. So we are clearly talking hypotheticals here. I hope all of our listeners know that because it is very unlikely that Burhalter gets sacked anytime soon, much it's less before the World more, Cup, much less after the World Cup. It's less than it's unlikely. It, no, it's, it's, he's going to be around for a while. So hopefully he can, he can get his crap together. You know, I'm rooting for him. I hope I want him to, you know, be more consistent is really what I think it is. Cause there are times where he gets things right. Like against Mexico, he got a lot of things right against Mexico, but then it's this problem of, uh, you know, not being able to string it together and, you know, suffering from Kyle Shanahan syndrome. And then the next game, you know, shitting the bed against Jamaica. So, um, I, I want him to get it together. Like I would love, you know, by the end of the world cup, if we make a good run to not want him to leave. Right. And, 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 you know, I agree, like the backup plan is not better. You know, I'd still much rather have Greg Berhalter in the job right now than Bob Bradley based on watching you and all the other LAFC supporters suffer so much this season from what was going on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously that it, it's, we're just talking hypotheticals here because Berhalter's not going anywhere anytime soon. So for our sake, I hope he, he can, you know, not turn it around because, I mean, you can't say his U.S. Uh, men's national team managerial career has been a failure. It hasn't. But, you know, it just would be great if we could see when he gets these things right, if he could build off that instead of kind of regressing every time he does something well, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it Berhalter will not go. Tato Martino, I understand. We'll see. He, he, but- he has to, man. Like, if – if I were a Mexican fan at this point, like I would be outraged if he was, I mean, I'm, I'd be outraged that he's still in the job. Like you can't be losing back-to-back games to the U S and Canada. And now you're level on points of Costa Rica and they've been playing horribly. Just no, Martino has to go. He's had more than enough time. He's not been good. I, you know, I don't even follow many Mexican fans on, on Twitter, but the ones that I do see are so vehemently Tata out that it's not, you know, for me, it wouldn't even be a question if I was Mexico. Yeah, I will tell you that from the Mexican fans that I talk to, uh, they certainly do not are not fans of him and would like him to go. But, you know, that is, I mean, that is the window. The United States take four points uh, from two games and fall from first to second. Canada takes that number one spot with uh, six points from two games. They move into the first spot, 16 uh, points they have through eight matches. United States on 15 points, Mexico on 14 points, Panama as well on 14 points. That is your top four making the uh, World Cup at the moment. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I meant meant Mexico are level on points with Panama, not Costa Rica. Correction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, level on points with uh, Panama. And then the U.S., uh, does not have more World Cup qualifying. They do have a uh, friendly in December against Bosnia-Herzegovina uh, on d- December 18th. But uh, in-, in LA, actually, I will, I potentially will be there. We'll see. Uh, but the World Cup qualifying will resume uh, in late January, January 28th. The U.S. plays El Salvador, the 31st, Canada, and then the February 3rd, Honduras. That is the next window for the United States. Hopefully so we're done for 2021. We are done for 2021 yeah. for co- competitive internationals. Uh, for World Cup qualifying, we are done for 2021. And hopefully we can take that number one spot back in the new year uh, and get ourselves uh, into the World Cup. We thank you very much for listening. Uh, go U.S. And we will be back next week.
uh, on our normally scheduled time on Tuesday mornings, we will release uh, at, after the, you know, Prem week and back to club football we go. Oh, and please follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That is at U90Football. That is our podcast account, and you can feel, feel free to follow us uh, as well. Our links, our, our accounts are linked there as well. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one.